The Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation, its desiccated skin pulled tautly over its bones. With its bones pushing out against its skin, its complexion the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets. The Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody. Its body was unclean and suffering from superations of the flesh, giving off a strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition, of death and corruption. Basil Johnston, Ojibwe teacher and scholar, Ontario, Canada. Welcome, my fiends, to another chilling episode of our eerie folklore from around the world, Creepmas series. Grab your blankets and settle in as we delve into the haunting legend of the Wendigo. <laughs> in the vast expanses of Minnesota's North Woods, the forests of the Great Lake region, and the central regions of Canada, whispers abound of a malevolent entity known as the Wendigo. This creature, whether appearing as a monstrous figure with human traits or a spirit that inhabits and transforms humans into monstrous beings, is steeped in a history rich with tales of cannibalism, murder, insatiable greed, and cultural taboos. Known by various names like Windigo, Wittigo, Wittico, and Wittigo, each translation points to a common theme, the evil spirit that devours mankind. According to the Algonquin people, around the turn of the 20th century, a significant number of their tribe members went missing. Many attributed these mysterious disappearances to the Wendigo, earning it the ominous title of the Spirit of Lonely Places. Among the Algonquin, Ojibwe, Eastern Cree, Salto, West Main Swampy Cree, the Scopi, and Inu peoples, the Wendigo is described as a giant towering over humans, often skeletal and deformed. The legends share a consistent portrayal of the Wendigo as a malevolent, cannibalistic, supernatural being tied closely to winter, the north, coldness, famine, and starvation. The Algonquin legend paints a chilling picture. A, a giant, giant with, with a, a heart, heart of ice. Sometimes, sometimes it is thought to be entirely made of ice. Its body is skeletal and deformed, with missing lips and toes. The Ojibwa's depiction adds further horror. It was a large creature, as tall as a tree, with a lipless mouth and jagged teeth. Its breath was a strange hiss, its footprints full of blood and it ate any man, woman, or child who ventured into its territory. And those were the lucky ones. Sometimes the Wendigo chose to possess a person instead, and then the luckless individual became a Wendigo himself, hunting down those he had once loved and feasting upon their flesh. Various iterations of the Wendigo legend offer differing perspectives on its speed and agility. Some accounts suggest an uncommon swiftness, enabling it to endure long walks, even in harsh winter conditions. Conversely, others describe a more haggard gait, as if the creature is falling apart. 
Strangely, speed seems inconsequential for a monster of this nature. In contrast to other menacing carnivores, the Wendigo doesn't rely on pursuing prey for capture and consumption. One of its eeriest traits lies in its ability to mimic human voices, using this skill to entice and lure unsuspecting individuals away from civilization. Once isolated in a desolate wilderness, the Wendigo launches its attack, ultimately feasting on its victims. In the lore, a Wendigo comes into existence when a person turns to cannibalism in a desperate bid for survival. Historically, such occurrences were more prevalent when indigenous peoples and settlers faced isolation amid the harsh winter conditions of the northern woods. Stranded for extended periods, survivors might have felt the grim necessity to consume the deceased for sustenance. Alternate renditions of the legend suggest that a Wendigo could also inhabit individuals demonstrating intense greed, gluttony, and excess. Consequently, the myth functioned as a means to promote values of cooperation and moderation. In Native American accounts, the creature is portrayed as a colossal spirit towering over 15 feet, once human but transformed into a mystical being through the workings of magic. While the depictions of this creature may vary slightly, the Wendigo is commonly described as possessing glowing eyes, elongated yellow fangs, formidable claws, and an excessively long tongue. At times, it is characterized by sallow, yellowish skin, while in other instances, it is depicted with a covering of matted hair. According to the legends, the creature boasts a range of abilities and powers, including stealth, near-perfect hunting skills, an intimate knowledge and utilization of its territory, and the ability to manipulate the weather through dark magic. The Wendigo is often depicted as both gluttonous and emaciated, reflecting the dual impact of its insatiable hunger and the toll of prolonged starvation. Wendigos are cursed to wander eternally, driven by an insatiable appetite for human flesh. If there's nothing left to devour, they starve to death. This legend has even lent its name to a disputed modern medical term, Wendigo psychosis, a syndrome manifesting in an intense craving for human flesh and a fear of becoming a cannibal. This psychosis, ironically, occurs around the Great Lakes, especially in the winter when individuals are isolated by heavy snow for extended periods. Symptoms include poor appetite, nausea, and vomiting, leading to a delusion of transforming into a Wendigo monster. People who have Wendigo psychosis increasingly see others around them as being edible. At the same time, they have an exaggerated fear of becoming cannibals. In the past, those showing signs of Wendigo psychosis were often subjected to traditional native healing attempts. However, if these failed and the possessed person posed a threat, they were sometimes executed. Reports of Wendigo psychosis date back centuries, as seen in a 1661 Jesuit document describing a mysterious ailment afflicting those near the Great Lakes. The relations document stated, What caused us greater concern was the intelligence that met us upon entering the lake. Namely, that the men deputed by our conductor to summon the nations to the North Sea and assigning them a rendezvous where they were to await our coming had met their death the previous winter in a very strange manner.
Those poor men, according to the report given us, were seized with an ailment unknown to us, but not very unusual among the people we were seeking. They are afflicted with neither lunacy, hypochondria, nor frenzy, but have a combination of all these species of disease, which affects their imaginations and causes them a more than canine hunger. This makes them so ravenous for human flesh that they pounce upon women, children, and even upon men, like veritable werewolves, and devour them ferociously without being able to appease or glut their appetite, ever seeking fresh prey, and the more greedily, the more they eat. This ailment attacked our deputies, and, as death is the sole remedy among those simple people for checking such acts of murder, they were slain in order to stay the course of their madness. In 1878, a harrowing incident unfolded involving Swift Runner, a Plains Creek trapper from Alberta, showcasing one of the most severe cases on record. Swift Runner, a married trader and father of six children, affiliated with the Hudson's Bay Company, had previously served as a guide for the Northwest Mounted Police in 1875. As the winter of 1878-79 took hold, Swift Runner and his family, along with numerous other Cree families, faced the grim reality of starvation. Tragically, his eldest son succumbed to starvation, becoming the first victim. Eventually, Swift Runner himself fell prey to Wendigo psychosis. Despite the presence of emergency food supplies at a Hudson's Bay Company post just 25 miles away, he chose not to make the journey. Instead, in a horrifying turn of events, he took the lives of the remaining members of his family and consumed their flesh. Subsequently, Swift Runner confessed to his gruesome actions and met his end through execution at the hands of authorities stationed at Fort Saskatchewan. From the late 1800s through the 1920s, there were purported sightings of a Wendigo near Rosasu in northern Minnesota. Curiously, with each reported appearance, an unanticipated death occurred, until eventually the creature vanished from sight altogether. One instance of Wendigo psychosis involves Jack Fiddler, an OG Cree chief and medicine man acclaimed for his ability to vanquish Wendigos. Fiddler asserted that he successfully defeated 14 Wendigos over his lifetime. Some of these creatures were believed to have been sent by adversary shamans, while others were members of his own band who succumbed to an insatiable, incurable desire for human flesh. In the latter scenario, family members often sought Fiddler's assistance in euthanizing a severely ill loved one before the transformation into a Wendigo. Tragically, Fiddler's brother, Peter Flett, fell victim to Wendigo psychosis after food ran out during a trading expedition. Despite the familiarity of the Wendigo legend among Hudson Bay Company traders, the Cree, and missionaries, it was often dismissed as mental illness or superstition. Nevertheless, the company's records document several instances of individuals turning Wendigo and resorting to cannibalism. In a turn of events, Canadian authorities arrested Fiddler and his brother Joseph for murder in 1907. Facing charges, Jack chose to end his own life, while Joseph stood trial and received a life sentence. Although Joseph was later granted a pardon, he tragically passed away in jail three days before learning of his reprieve. Over time, the frequency of Wendigo psychosis cases diminished in the 20th century with increased contact between Native Americans and Western ideologies. 
Nevertheless, reports of Wendigo creature sightings persist, particularly in northern Ontario in proximity to the cave of the Wendigo and around Kenora. Traders claim to have allegedly spotted the creature, and trackers and trappers have attested to such encounters spanning decades. The prevailing belief among many is that the Wendigo still roams the forests and prairies of northern Minnesota and Canada. Notably, Kenora, Ontario, Canada, has earned the moniker of the Wendigo capital of the world. I leave you with the haunting echoes of the Wendigo's tale. From its malevolent presence in the Northwoods to the unsettling manifestations of Wendigo psychosis, the stories linger like ghostly whispers across time. Will you ever walk through a winter forest without wondering if unseen eyes are watching? Or hear the winds howl without imagining the hungry breath of a Wendigo on the prowl? The legends persist and the shadows hold their secrets. Join me again for the next installment of Creepy Creatures, eerie folktales from around the world, where we'll unravel more mysteries that lurk in the darkness. Until then, my dear listeners, stay bewitched, stay curious, and sleep well, if, if you, you can. can. <laughs> <laughs>